0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now at weddings, at weddings the entire focus is on the bride and the groom. All of the guests gather to to share in the joy of a man and a woman being joined together in holy matrimony. And sometimes guests will travel from far distances in order to honor the bride and the groom. Why? Well, marriage is special. It's the beginning of a family. Marriage is love taking shape into forms of vows and commitments The husband offers his body and all that he has to his wife, and the wife offers her body and all that she has to her husband. Love is no longer an ideal. In marriage, love takes on the day-to-day commitment for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. In marriage, one's love is given a place to manifest itself. Yes, at a wedding, all the focus is on the beginning of this union between the man and the woman. Yet the Bible tells us that marriage is not an end in itself. Marriage is a profound mystery that refers to Christ and his church. In other words, marriage is meant to be a symbol or a sign of the relationship between Jesus and the church. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives are sub- to submit to their husbands love, as the church is to m- submit to the love and divine service of Jesus, Each and every Christian marriage is supposed to remind all who attend the mystery of Christ and the church. It says that there, this is the mystery of the divine family. Now there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with, and he went with his disciples. Can you imagine this setting? Here is Jesus at a wedding. This wedding would be a symbol of his future marriage to the church. And at this time, only Jesus was aware of this fact. Nobody, not the bride, not the groom, or any of the guests fully understood the marriage between Christ and his church. And even if they had some inkling of it from Old Testament teaching, nobody really yet knew the identity of the Christ. Yet the Christ was at their wedding. Jesus was honoring marriage With his very presence at this wedding. Now, in moments of weakness, I've been guilty of thinking that God doesn't really care about personal things in my life. I've at times doubted if God had cared when I was dating. I had doubted if God really cared about who I dated or how I really felt when it came to matters of love. In those moments of weakness, I may have thought that God had better things to do than to worry about my personal life. In the news, we have real big things. We have catastrophes, we have wars in Afghanistan, we have people starving around the world. Why would God care about my personal feelings? Have you ever thought that God doesn't care about your personal life? Have you ever thought that you are not very important to God? Well, Jesus' attendance at this wedding, it proves us all wrong. Jesus set aside time to celebrate this wedding. This wedding would foreshadow the union between him and his church And he honored this wedding and all weddings with his presence there. He also showed us that personal matters of our lives, they are important to him. Just like the bride and groom in Cana invited Jesus to be a part of their personal celebration. I mean, it was such a small celebration that their names and aren't even mentioned in the scriptures. And yet Jesus was there. And we can invite Jesus just like that couple to be involved in every part of our personal lives. And believe me, he cares and he desires to be there. In our gospel, Jesus becomes the main focus at the wedding in Cana. He should be the main focus of every Christian wedding, but this is not always the case. But anyway, if we were there, let's say we were there at this wedding in Cana, we probably wouldn't have really noticed Jesus at all. We wouldn't have been paying attention to him. He would have been just another guest in all the other guests. But our gospel zooms in to the area of the wedding guests where we find Jesus. He is forced into the center of a situation that at this time he would rather not have been included in. The wine had run out at the party, and this was bad news. For some reason, <coughs> Jesus' mother <coughs> wanted to make this situation right. Maybe she was related to the wedding party, or maybe she was just a close friend. Nonetheless, she did not want the family to go through the considerable embarrassment of running out of wine. So when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. You can almost see somebody whispering <laughs> to another, the, the other person. And you can see Jesus leaning over and whispering back, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, Jesus was not trying to get out of chores here. It wasn't like his mom was asking him to take out the trash, and Jesus was saying, but mom, I always take it out. Can't my brother do it? No, Jesus wasn't doing that at all. When Jesus was mentioning his hour, he was talking about his coming death on the cross for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Jesus had three years before that hour would come. At this time, Jesus did not want to cause a stir. He had barely begun teaching his own disciples about who he was. Nonetheless, his mother said to his servants, without even replying to Jesus, she said, just do whatever he tells you. And Jesus' mother, at this point, you can tell, was used to being mom. She had been his mother for 30 years. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, she was used to her relationship with Jesus, who is not only her son, but also the son of God. So she she told Jesus to take care of the bride and the groom. This is interesting because this is the same thing that you do When you pray to Jesus on behalf of somebody that you love. Right? Whenever we offer our prayers to Jesus, we're saying, take care of them. And that's what his mother did. So Jesus fulfilled the fourth commandment here and he honored his mother. God in the flesh submitted to the Ten Commandments in order to fulfill them on your behalf. How often do we readily obey our mother and father or any of those put in charge over us? Every time somebody who has been given authority over us asks us to do something, like increase the amount that we have to give to Social Security or... I've been thinking about social security. Anyway, (laughs) whenever something like that is said to us, our blood begins to curdle. And we want to enforce our independence, enforce our rights. Whether they're our parents, our pastors, our teachers, police officers, our president, you name it, we're guilty of being disrespectful and rebellious. But here, Jesus shows us that we are to honor and obey those who have been placed over us. Think about it. Here's Jesus. We tend to think we have all these rights, or we're very special. But here's Jesus, the one through whom all things are made, submitting to his mother. So now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. These are big jugs. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them right up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everybody serves the good wine first, and then when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you, you have kept the good wine until now, inferring that this brings even more honor upon this house. But the thing that is most intriguing about this miracle is that only the servants and Jesus' disciples got to witness it. Jesus shared this miracle with the lowliest people at the wedding. The people farthest away from the position of honor. Those are the ones who got to see God in the flesh performing a miracle. We so often want the positions of honor. Yet if we were at this wedding in a place of honor, we would have missed out on Jesus' first miracle. Have you ever sought out personal gain and thereby missed one of God's miracles? The funny thing about that question is that You'll never know. But from this text, we learn that Jesus is quite comfortable being with those who serve over being with those who are served. The server often gets a closer look into what Jesus is doing. The end result of this miracle, and this is the point of the Whole message is that his disciples believed in him. This made the miracle all the worthwhile. They believed this is God in the flesh. So, what did we learn from today's text? It's hard to pinpoint just one thing. In the text, we see Jesus honoring all marriage, we see him caring about the small things in our lives. We learn from Jesus to honor our mother and father and all of those who are put in authority over us. And we learn that it is better to serve than to be served. For those who serve get a closer look into what Jesus is doing. And I also learn through Jesus' miracle that he truly is the Son of God, whom at the right hour died on the cross for the forgiveness of all of our sins. But Jesus not only honored the bride and groom at their wedding in Cana. He honors you today with his presence. For he has said that whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. We may not notice him, just like the people at the wedding feast didn't notice him. But Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, is here this morning. And moreover, he not only showed us a miracle of turning water into wine today, but he gives the miracle of his true body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine from this altar. Virtually unnoticeable. His same body that hung on the cross and his same blood that poured from his head, his hands, his side, and his feet. They are given to you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Yes Jesus is an example to us and we talked a lot about that today. But he is so much more than that. He is the death of all of your sins and he is your everlasting life. He is your the churches. He is your bridegroom. He married you his church. In the waters of baptism, where he washed you and cleansed you and presented you to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish in his sight. And he says to you, Take what is mine, my body, my blood, my life, and my salvation. For I freely give it to you. and the bride, we, we submit to his divine service. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.